Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Hey, leaders, welcome to episode 53 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. My name's Jeremy, and I've entitled this podcast episode Buy, Borrow, or Build. The other day, I opened up my email to one of the nicest, most encouraging emails I think I may have received in the past number of years. How, how many like receiving nice, encouraging emails? I think we all enjoy receiving these from time to time, probably uh, not as often as we'd like. And to be honest with you, there's there's been other emails and, and maybe even some who have used more flattering or complimentary words. But as I reflect on this particular email, I think the reason this one meant so much to me is because it touched on the legacy piece. Let me give you some context. The person that sent this email without uh, saying their name here today is a young leader who within the last year has recently taken on a new pastoral role at a church for the first time ever in his life. And upon receiving this new position, he reached out immediately asking if I would agree to meet with him on a consistent basis to mentor, to invest, and build him up as a young new pastor. Now, if you know me at all, he had me at meet with me. Before he could even finish his question, I was all in. I mean, this is what what I eat, breathe, sleep like I love. It's why I do the podcast, Leadership Development. It's my heartbeat. And that's exactly what we've been doing for the past year. His email came after one of our recent meetings, and he, he said things in this email that I want to share with you today. Now, this is not to boost me. Uh, I want to actually unpack why I'm sharing this in just a moment. But I, I want to share with you some of the specific words that he used in his email because it totally has to do with, with what I'd like to share and unpack in this episode today. He said this, he said how grateful he is for my presence in his life. He said things like how our time together has shifted and altered the trajectory of his life and leadership. And he literally said this, he said that our time together has impacted not just his life, but his own legacy. Now, I was truly humbled and honored by his kind words, and and so I responded accordingly to his email by saying so. He then responded back with a second email, a follow-up one to my thank you, and he said this. He said he's been sharing lots of what he's been, what I've been sharing with him to his own leaders and his own leadership team and the people he's building and investing and raising. And one of his leaders then shared with him that, that as a result of his pastor being mentored and built up by me, that the ripple effect of that young leader has actually reached him. And he said it usually reaches him about two to three months after our conversation. It reaches him and it's changing his life and his leadership. Now, I'll stop there. But I really think the reason this email encouraged me so much is because it refers to what we're all supposed to be about. And that is people. Let me say it again. People. We are in the business of people. Now, here's the bottom line for this episode. I'm going to give it to you right off the top today. Your greatest legacy will not be what you build, but who you build. Let me say it again. Your greatest legacy as a leader will not be what you build, but who you build. 
Now, if you haven't heard by now, we are in the midst of a pretty significant leadership crisis here in Canada, especially inside the church. And in my role specifically, I'm getting call after call after call. I'm getting emails. I'm getting text messages. I'm getting DMs on social media, not just monthly, not even just weekly anymore. But I, I honestly, I can say I'm getting daily calls, daily um, just people trying to connect with me of churches, of lead pastors who are looking for support staff, mainly youth pastors, children's pastors, but all kinds, associates, worship pastors. And listen, I, I want you to know up front, I get it. Every lead wants the best, wants the brightest, wants somebody with some Bible college training, someone with four to five years experience would be ideal, married, is a person of color. Like, we can laugh, we can joke and, and all we want, but if you fit that description, I mean, seriously, call me today. I've got options for you. Now, all sarcasm aside, it does start to get a little monotonous taking call after call asking for the exact same thing. Now, my let me just say, this is my personal opinion, and so everyone's got opinions. You may not agree with this, but my personal opinion is that we have too many leaders today reacting to this leadership crisis instead of being willing to take a proactive approach. Say it again. We've got too many leaders reacting instead of being proactive in regards to our approach regarding this leadership crisis we find ourselves in. And I'm just going to shoot straight with you here. Um, what I mean is this. Buying and or borrowing your next youth pastor, your next kids pastor, your next worship pastor from some other place is a reactionary approach. And it actually just contributes to the crisis. It doesn't help it. It doesn't solve it. We're actually just contributing. If that's going to be our approach, that we're just going to buy, beg, borrow from some other place, then we're actually just reacting. And we're, we're actually, as a result, we're contributing to the crisis. We're not actually helping solve it. Now, I understand that churches need children's pastors, they need youth pastors, and they need them yesterday, not three years down the road from today. I get it. Hear my heart. I get it. However, if all we're going to continue to do is to buy, beg, and borrow our next leaders, then we'll never actually address the real issues of why we find ourselves with the leadership void that we do. I, I may actually do a deeper dive on this uh, because it is a systemic issue um, that I see that's, that's the lead contributor to this. And, and so I may do a different episode where we take a deeper dive on that. But for now, let me just say this. Let me just say that disciples become your next leaders. Somebody needs to hear that again today listening to this podcast. Disciples become your next leaders and pastors. And the reason we have such a leadership void in our nation is because as a whole, now I'm going to paint with broad strokes here for a moment, so forgive me for doing that, but the majority of our churches are not making disciples. Case closed, period. Uh, you can argue, we can defend that, we can make excuses. We've got all sorts of reasons. And again, I may do a deeper dive on this in an in a episode coming up, but for now, the majority of our churches are not making disciples, period. Even many of the ones we deem as healthy, 
the, the churches we would look at across Canada today and we would say, oh, there's a measure of health there or that's a healthy church. Uh, those churches even, many of them might be more based on the number in attendance than the amount of actual spiritual maturation and, and discipleship that's actually taking place. And so we've become preoccupied with what we're building, and we've lost sight and priority of who we're building. The result is churches and lead pastors are left scrambling, and we're left fighting over a handful of Bible college graduates trying to buy them or beg them to come to our context because it's better than somewhere else, or we simply borrow leaders from other churches where someone may be looking for a change of scenery. Now, I, I know that may sound harsh, and that's maybe a tough pill to swallow, but that is the truth of what I'm seeing, especially in our district, but even beyond that across Canada in the church today. Now, regardless of of either of these approaches taken, it all falls within a scarcity mindset instead of an abundance one. Now, the last time I checked, God is a God of abundance, not scarcity. Yes, there's an abundance of positions that need to be filled right now, but there's also an abundance of people in our own sphere of influence who have all kinds of leadership potential. But it's going to take some current leaders who will shift their perspective and refuse to just react to this and instead decide that they're going to be proactive. They're going to be part of the solution. They're actually going to begin to build versus just borrowing a leader from somewhere else. Now, scarcity. Let me unpack scarcity versus abundance for a second. Scarcity. Scarcity mindset says this. Who can I borrow, beg, or buy to come be our next youth, kids, worship pastor? That's what scarcity says. Versus an abundance mindset that says this. Who do I see around me today with some leadership potential, with some passion for leadership to lead in any of the areas that you have a void in, youth, kids, worship, whatever the case may be, Who has some potential, who has some passion that I can start to invest in and build up to potentially be our next youth, kids, worship, associate, you fill in the blank, media, pastor here in this context. Now, again, I realize everybody needs someone now. You all need a leader. If you're listening to this podcast, you're a lead pastor, you're a part of a church board, whatever the case may be. I get it. You need someone today, not tomorrow, not three years from now. You need someone today. But what if you found some volunteers? Let, let me just, let me get you thinking maybe in a little different, through a little different lens and take a longer term approach than just a quick fix or a band-aid approach. What if you found some volunteers in your church to give leadership and oversight to the area you're looking to fill in the meantime? Well, you took a longer-term approach to build someone up, to raise your next leader, to raise that next pastor that you're looking to fill that void. If we as leaders are going to be part of the solution instead of being a part of the problem, then we better start doing our part again and building some leaders instead of expecting to borrow or buy all the time. I'm reminded of Jesus' words in the book of John. He said to his disciples before he left them, He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he he says this in in the book of John. And I know he wasn't specifically talking about leaders in this passage. He was talking about a harvest of, of people who don't yet know him, aren't followers of him. But I can't help but wonder if it's applicable to leaders and 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 leadership since disciples become our next leaders. 
Where are the workers, or should I say builders? Where are the builders out there today who are going to build rather than borrow or beg or buy? Can I just say it's not good enough to just draw larger crowds on Sundays or Wednesdays or Fridays or when, whenever you have your main gathering and then do nothing with these people? Isn't our call to make, to make disciples, not draw a crowd? Okay, I'm, I'm getting into that different episode that I need to do later on. I, I won't go too much further in that. Let, let's get on to what we can do about this. We, we've outlined the problem, the current context. Even we simply put why we might be here, the systemic issue of the fact that churches aren't, as a whole, are not making disciples. So what do we do? Well, let me say it real blunt again. Stop building something and start building someone. That's what we do. That's how we change this. That's how, how we, we become proactive instead of reactive. A couple things under that. I'm going to be as simple as possible here. First thing is this. Start with one. Better yet, just start. What if you took inventory of the people around you currently and chose just one, maybe two, who you see some leadership potential in, and you started opening up your life to them. Let them in. Do life with them. And listen, I get it. There's already hesitation as you hear me say that. And and the reason is because you're busy as a leader. I, I know you are. We're all busy as leaders. So your first hesitation is, when am I going to find the time for that now? Another to-do. Here we go. Well, maybe not. What if it wasn't so much about doing more but being more intentional with what you're already going to do. What if you took on the perspective that you just don't do anything alone anymore? If you're going to go to a hospital visit, Pastor, take someone with you. Take that person you see potential in. You see that this person has some leadership potential and and you invite them to join you. You're running your next board meeting or you're leading your next small group or whatever. Invite someone to join you to sit right beside you at your side and then discuss it after with them. Talk about it. Talk about what they learned, what they observed. And, and with the idea, with the mindset that you're actually building and investing in this person that one day they could do what you do. You're basically working yourself out of a job. I tried when I, when I was in local church ministry to never do as much as possible, don't do things alone. I remember one particular example I'll, I'll share to just kind of illustrate what I mean by this. We always let people into our home, into our lives. I believe that's how you make disciples. Discipleship is actually messy, so you got to let people in. And so every Sunday night, we would open up our home to students, to leaders, to whoever wanted to come and just hang out and be in our home. And I remember one Sunday night, some of my family wanted some food. And so I thought, okay, I'll run out quick to a, to a drive-thru. I'll grab some, some grub. And, uh, and instead, of I could have very, very easily slipped out all on my own. But I grabbed two or three people, two or three uh, of our uh, couple leaders, couple students from our youth ministry. And I said, hey, let's go. I'm going to hop in the car, go, go to Wendy's, get some drive-thru. So I did. And while we're there, something, we had a moment. We had a really, really cool moment. I was just being myself. And so I asked the drive-thru attendant, as a young girl, I said, hey, if you could ask God anything, what would you ask him? Let's assume that you believed that there was a God, there was a creator of this world. What would you ask him? 
Well, she starts to think, now, I've got an audience, not just her, but I've got like four young, impressionable minds in the car. This is a discipleship moment. I'm actually modeling something for them. I'm living out what I'm saying to them, you know, week after week and what I'm trying to um, get them to pick up and, and implement into their own lives. I'm modeling it now for them out in public. This is way more powerful than a sermon. And this girl begins to think, and, and uh, she comes back. She's like, I don't know, but I'm going to think. I'm going to give that some thought. Well, we grab our food. We pull away out of that drive through go back to the house, enjoy the rest of our night. Don't think a whole lot of it. Until about two weeks later, this same young girl hops on a city bus that one of those guys in the vehicle was on. Now, she remembered him. He didn't even know that she saw him in the vehicle. Well, she happens to sit right next to him on a city bus in this city. Coincidence? I don't think so. Sits right down next to him, and she turns to him. He has no idea that this girl even remembers that he was in that vehicle that night, and she says to him, she says, hey, you were in the car a couple weeks ago when, when you guys asked me that question at Wendy's. She said, I know what I would say to God. I know what I would ask him. And she begins to share that with this young man on the bus, and they have this incredible spiritual conversation about God, about his existence, all of that. And now all of that took place because, why? Because I just have this this value that I would do my best never to do things alone, even go through a drive-thru and pick up some food. Might seem like a, a meaningless task that's not going to amount to anything. Little did we know, in, in the mundane is when the moments, when God actually gives us the moments that can change people's lives. So don't do things alone. If you're going to start this whole thing, this building versus buying versus borrowing, then start to do things and invite others to do them with you. That's what it means to build someone instead of build something. Second thing I'd say is multiply, don't add. Now, there's a real temptation as leaders when we have a void or a position to fill to just add someone with the competency and the character to do the role. And then it's like we wipe our hands clean. We're like, okay, on to putting out the next fire. That's a real, real, um, it's a real temptation to live there and to lead that way. But it's a, it's a real tragedy when that becomes kind of our leadership mantra that we're just putting out fires. We've got to be proactive and not just be reacting all the time. And one of the ways we do that is stop adding and start multiplying. What if you started a new culture of multiplication where you're at today? Uh, I immediately, my mind goes to the story of the five loaves and two fish in the New Testament where Jesus multiplied instead of adding. Jesus doesn't step in and just tell his disciples to count heads and then we'll figure out how we can get that much food to compensate for the deficit that we have here. No, he doesn't use the band-aid approach. He steps in, he, he uses a multiplication formula right from the very beginning. Now, I want to outline it for you, what I see in this text real quickly. Without going too deep, we don't have time on this episode, but let me just outline the multiplication formula for you I see in this particular story. First, he takes inventory. Who do you got? How that applies to you? Who do you got? We've already talked about it. Who's in your sphere of influence? Who's got leadership potential that you can start building? He took inventory. They took inventory of what do we have? The disciples go out and they find they 
some boy has five loaves and two fish. That's what they took inventory. That's step one. Step two was they released it. This little boy had to release it to, to the disciples. He had to hand it over, surrender it to God. How many know today, listening to this podcast, you can attest to this, that God will take some, when you hand something over to God, surrender it to him. And this is really all about surrender. When you release it to him, he'll take it way further, way, way faster than you ever could if you kept it in your hand anyway. So step two after taking inventory is you got to release it. You got to release it to him. He's the master anyways, and he'll take it way further than you ever thought possible anyways. So it's not yours. And as this relates to building a leader, you got to just have this mindset right from the start, whoever you start building and investing in, that they do not belong to you. They're not yours. You have to take a kingdom approach here. And it may not always work out. They may not stick around. You might raise up and release them to go somewhere else. But hey, in the end, you're still going to be better off when you get this culture, this mindset going of building versus borrowing. Because you're always going to have a, a plethora. You're going to have a, you're going to have just this kind of this, the this this pool of leaders that you're continually building and raising up. And once it takes off, so step one, take inventory. Then you add some releasing it, some surrender that. Then add some gratitude. Jesus gave thanks for the little they had. He didn't complain and say, oh, it's just five loaves and two fish. No, what did he do? Immediately, as, as the disciples brought it in, he gave thanks. He gave thanks for what they have. You, instead of whining for what you don't have right now and, and all the holes you need to fill and the voids that are there, or whining about the leadership crisis we're facing in, in our nation today, let's give thanks for what we do have and watch God multiply that. And then the final thing was he broke it. And when you add inventory with release, surrender, some gratitude, and then some breaking, now you've got multiplication. And this is exactly where the multiplication factor had the 10x effect. You see, God can't multiply what you're not willing to let him break. Whoo, that was fire. I need to say that again. God can't multiply what you're not willing to let him break. Some of you... He needs to break the scarcity mindset today. Maybe he needs to break the idea that you've been called to build a 3,000-seat auditorium over calling you to build disciples. Ooh, somebody needs to hear that out there. You haven't been called to draw a crowd. He needs to break that. You've been called. Your calling is to make disciples who make disciples, and that's multiplication. So what does that look like? It looks like instead of just adding a leader from day one, that you need to build a culture that has an expectation on every leader, every staff member from day one, that they need to go and build, invest, and raise another leader. That's how you multiply versus just adding another member to the team. That the the moment you add a member to a team, that you invite somebody to come and be a part of your team, there's an expectation, there's a culture that you have built that says every leader here is going to build another leader. That's just what we do. And that leader, whoever we bring on, is going to build another. And it just snowballs. And there's this ripple effect to that, to the point where one day you'll never have another concern about who's next or who's going to fill that once that person leaves or they move on or they get a promotion, whatever the case may be, you'll never have that concern anymore because you've got a multiplication mindset now, a culture of multiplication versus addition.
will serve you way better. So start with one, multiply, don't add. And then finally, I want to leave you with this. And I just want to say this, little by little. How does it all happen? Little by little. In a society addicted to speed and immediacy and fast everything, hurry, all of those things, I want to remind you that this is going to take time. And it's how it's going to happen is little by little. I, I was reminded of a passage in Exodus this week, Exodus 23:30, the story of Israel as they're about to enter the promised land. And God literally says to them that he's not about to wipe out their enemies as they enter the promised land, the, the current inhabitants of that promised land. He's not going to wipe them out all at once in a single year because that wouldn't be smart. He says, then the wild animals would, would overtake the land and they'd have a real issue on their hands. So instead, God literally says in Exodus 23:30, he says, I'll wipe them out little by little until you've increased enough to possess the entire land. How is this all going to take place? Little by little. By leaders like you actually listening, actually changing your perspective, and, and just refusing to just put another band-aid on another hole and deciding you're going to begin to change the culture. You're actually going to become part of the solution rather than contributing to the issue. And so if you do this, then little by little, you'll begin to increase the number of leaders around you and you'll begin to build that pool, that resource, not just for you, but for the entire kingdom. Because remember, they're not yours. You, they don't belong to you. You don't own people. You don't own sheep, as I've heard people say before. But if you start with one and you prioritize this, I believe little by little, God will begin to release the harvest that is so plentiful that Jesus said and talked about in the book of John. It's so plentiful because you're now ready with the leaders you've built in place to steward the harvest he's about to release. Listen to me closely, leader. Part of the reason you're maybe not seeing the harvest, this plentiful harvest that Jesus spoke about, is maybe because you're not ready to steward them. You're, you don't have the leaders in place. You haven't taken the time to build and raise up the next generation of leaders who will be ready to steward this harvest that's about to be released. Why do it this way? Well, this is bigger than you. This is bigger than any one of us. It's about who's coming after you and, and how you're prepping for them. You're preparing the way, leader. You might be up there in years and thinking, well, it's too late to start now. It's never too late. When's a good time to start? Well, 20 years ago, sure. When's the second best time to start? Today. And that's the great thing about this, about building someone over building something, is, is the fact that you can start today. You see, your greatest legacy when you die won't be building, it won't be a building, it won't be an online following or a presence, it won't be a budget that you built and expanded over the past 20 years, it won't even be ending in the black, ending out of debt, paying off that mortgage. Your greatest legacy will not be what you built, but who you built. It'll be who you discipled. It'll be who you raised up and released, who you saw some potential in and decided to make investment after investment. It'll be who, not what. And I've got great news for you. You can start all of this today. You don't have to wait. So I leave you with this final question. Who 
not what, but who will you reach out to as you finish off this podcast episode? Who will you text? Who will you call? Who will you email? Who will you connect with in the next 24 hours and say, hey, can we have coffee? And you begin to discuss, or can we have lunch? Can I buy you lunch? I want to talk to you about something. And you begin to share the potential that you see in that person and see if they'd be willing to allow you to build, invest, raise, and release them into leadership. Well, I really do hope that this episode has helped equip you and strengthen you in your leadership. We do really have a core belief that that healthy leaders produce healthy ministry. And I believe uh, healthy leaders actually build versus borrow, beg, or buy. So until next episode, remember that leadership is no joke. Leadership is not something to be taken lightly. Your leadership really does matter. And if these episodes, if this episode or another one here on the podcast has helped you, it's been encouraging to you, don't hoard that. Uh, Have an abundance mindset and share that with somebody else, Uh, somebody in your sphere of influence, maybe this person who you're going to begin to build and raise up. You would share this podcast with them and say, hey, I want you to start listening to these podcast episodes or share it on your social media, like, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. It just helps us spread the word. We appreciate you, we're here for you, and remember, until next time, your leadership really does matter. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters Podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.